Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. everybody and welcome into commanding the huddle i am your host ryan fowler from the draft network and lots to get into in today's episode but want to let you know as always that this podcast is brought to you by our partners at bet online who continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info find all the latest odds on major league baseball place your future bets for college football and of course the NFL. So head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online where the game starts. So with that out of the way, lots to get into for Commanders training camp moving into Saturday's opening preseason game against the Carolina Panthers and a team that has. A lot of question marks in their own in Carolina, and we'll get to them a little bit as far as some matchups to look forward to. Obviously, the play under center of how they'll divvy up the snaps between Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, and rookie Matt Corral. But I want to stay on the Washington side of the football after Washington released their first unofficial depth chart of the offseason. Now, first things first, I want to stay away from overreacting too much to a preseason depth chart because we will see a ton of the backups, obviously, in the preseason. But for now, this is just a 30,000-foot view of where this roster sits. And for me, there's there's really no questions. I guess right now, at, at the only question could be maybe at right guard with Trey Turner, who is expected to start with Chase Roulier to his left shoulder and Sam Cosme anchoring that right side of the offensive line. And Wes Schweitzer has been getting most of the reps the last few weeks with Turner as he's been sidelined with an injury. So allow him to get back to full speed. I would like to see Trey in the preseason, whether it's a quarter or two in a hole. You're not going to want to push it too much. This is a guy that has been around the league and has multiple Pro Bowls under his belt, so you know what you're going to get from him. But he's never worked next to Rulier or Cosme or had Carson Wentz under center. That rapport from the front five stemming all the way back to the quarterback position is going to matter. So I would like to see Trey hopefully, you know, not just work into practice, but get some reps in the preseason before ultimately Washington opens up in week one against the Jacksonville Jaguars. But looking at this depth chart, everything is... is as we've seen. I mean, quarterback is Wentz, Heineke, and Howell. The team released Cole Kelly just a few days ago. It's someone that had an outstanding college career at Southeastern Louisiana after transferring from an FBS program. Someone that threw for over 40 touchdowns last year and rushed for a ton more. Big body. 
outstanding ability to run the football as well. But he's someone that will probably earn a spot on a practice squad this year just because of his pure size and ability to make plays with both his arm and his legs. But running back spot, Gibson, McKissick, Brian Robinson, Jonathan Williams is slotted over Jarrett Patterson right now. So Jarrett has a long way to go in making the back end of that roster if if Washington wants to keep potentially four running backs, which would be a stretch right now. But we saw the impact that Patterson had both in the preseason last year and towards the back end of the regular season when Gibson and obviously McKissick, you know, were two, they missed time. So having enough depth at that position, Williams, Patterson, even Reggie Bonafone, who's probably going to be a cut later in camp, allow them to work in preseason and see what you got. So from there, the tight end group is still a massive question with a lot of guys banged up. Logan Thomas, banged up. John Bates, banged up. Cole Turner, same thing. Curtis Hodges has had an outstanding camp. Armani Rogers is a QB convert from Ohio. Eli Wolf, Alex Armour, those are back-end guys. They will be cuts here in the next few weeks. And then, of course, there's Samus Reyes, you know, the Greek god that, you know, all you guys out there, he's got the physical physique of a Laron Landry from years ago, but he just hasn't been able to put it on the football field. And then as well, you know, we just saw Antonio Gandy-Golden retire just last week, who was supposed to be a guy that we potentially could have thought was going to compete for a spot in the tight ends room. The Eagle on the offensive line, cross from left tackle to right tackle, Charles Leno, Andrew Norwell, Chase Roulier, Trey Turner, Sam Cosby. Nothing there. We just talked about Trey Turner, but those guys up front are going to stay there. The only questions are going to be, who is the swing interior guy? Who is the swing tackle? Right now, the swing tackle looks to be Cornelius Lucas, kind of playing that role that Ty Secchi used to play when he was here. And he's played that in his career a little bit when he went to Dallas and Buffalo and now you look at the interior and what do they do with Sadiq Charles? Because he's still a massive question mark. And yeah, he's gotten some time with the ones in spurts this year in camp when the Ron Rivera wanted to see what he could do along that front five. But at times he's worked with the threes and the fours when Cole Kelly was running the show under center. And that's not a good sign for a guy that Washington took in the fourth round out of LSU as someone that they eventually thought was going to progress into their left tackle of the future when Trent Williams went to San Francisco. It hasn't worked out that way, and this could be the final year if they opt to keep Charles on the roster for him to prove that he only not only deserves a contract and roster spot to be on the final 53 in D.C., but potentially elsewhere as he moves into the meat of his career. So is he a guard? Is he someone that if Cornelius Lucas were to miss time, are you comfortable placing him protecting Carson Wentz's blind side or his arm side if Cosme were to miss time again? That's a major question within the interior of his offensive line. Now, they drafted Chris Paul, who will make the roster as kind of that interior flex option, but I don't think this coaching staff is comfortable right now throwing him into the fire in worst case scenario. Now, I think that would be a Charles. You look at Wes Schweitzer if Trey Turner's good for week one. Those are your guys that you're going to go to right away to start within the interior. And if Chase really were to miss time, they could plug Wes Schweitzer at center. And then you still have Keith Ishmael, draft pick from San Diego State, who hasn't worked out as of now, but the guy's gotten minimal snaps. Standing on a sideline is not going to showcase you how a player is. Now, if you see him in training camp and from the reports coming out of camp, he hasn't been great. He's been average 
to below average as a day three pick out of San Diego State. There's not much to expect there, but in an emergency situation for someone that's been here for a couple years, you have him and you have another veteran like Tyler Larson, who's also been here, that could take those snaps because we know that injuries are a given in this league. And it's not that first 53 that you have is not going to be the guys that you end the year with. There's going to be guys on injury reserve, guys that have surgery. That's just the nature of the NFL and who you have as your depth guys. You're starting 22, look great. But though that back end, that 29 players that you have to fill out the rest of your roster is really what makes up your core. Who are your depth guys? Who are your core special teamers? Can they make plays when their number is called upon in a variety of ways on offense, defense, and of course it matters with special teams. So flip over to the defensive side of the ball. We obviously know kind of the timetable right now for Chase Young. It remains to be seen if he'll be back week two, week three, even into week four. But this is a long-term project because Chase Young is still so young. You know, no pun intended there. But this is a long-term project. You don't want to force him into playing right now when he is so young and entering year three in his career already. It's crazy to think he's already been you know close to playing a, a trio of seasons in the NFL. And there's a lot of expectations surrounding number 99. And obviously on the other side with number 90 in Montez Sweat and the big boys within the interior and in Payne Allen and second round pick Fedarian Mathis. But Chase Young stirs the drink for this defense. And when he's on the field, everyone else is better at every level. And this week one game coming up against Jacksonville, Brandon Sheriff's reunion with Washington, Doug Peterson, Carson Wentz, the storylines have written themselves. But Chase Young being out for week one presents a massive question mark for who is going to step up at defensive end opposite of Montez Sweat. And right now, it looks like names in Casey Tuhill, William Bradley King, James Smith Williams, second year man Chaka Tony, who flashed a little bit last year in year one. So these are names that are going to have to produce. These are the depth guys that I just mentioned. It goes much deeper than the guys you roll out on first and second down when Trevor Lawrence brings the offense on the field in week one. So Two Hill, a veteran, William Bradley King, year two, Jameson Williams has a, a ton of experience in practice under his belt, but looking back to the tape, the substantial tape that he had that we really only have right now of him is from NC State and a guy that showcased the ability to play three tech, play five tech if you needed to, bounce around the defensive line a little bit, offer some versatility that Ron Rivera thinks that F.A. Obata will be able to do as well, play some different positions and do some different things along that front four to create that rotational depth that Washington is going to need to consistently get after the passer when you move past the names of Young, Sweat, Payne, and Allen. Which also moves me to the impact of Fedarian Mathis, who has looked good in camp. But he's gonna enjoy his rookie struggles, similar to how Jamin Davis did last year, someone that has looked decent in camp, I want to see number 52 under fire in an NFL game. He could be fine working in t-shirt and shorts and then you're getting on the pads and it's a very controlled environment of 7-on-7, seven 9-on-9, seven, nine 11-on-11. Nine, 11 11. But with Mathis, he's going to be thrust into substantial snaps in year one 
because of the bubble right now that's surrounding Deron Payne's future in DC. And really, that Mathis pick was a massive wake-up call to him. Just as the wake-up call was from Brian Robinson's selection for Antonio Gibson, look at Mathis along that interior, another body from the University of Alabama, and the fruitful pipeline that we've seen over the last handful of seasons from Tuscaloosa and Nick Saban's program to D.C. It seems like every single year Washington takes a guy out of Alabama. But Mathis is going to have to be impactful from day one. Now, I'm not asking him to get six, seven, eight sacks and produce like John Allen or Payne, but someone that can move the pocket, if they want him to two-gap, I don't think they're going to ask him to do that a lot. I think it's just take on double teams, be stout in the run, be able to anchor. And then when you're asked to, because you have names on the outside, and they ran a, a five-man front this this week. Uh, they had Chase Young on uh, – excuse me, they had Montez Sweat on one side. They had Deron Payne. They had Federer Mathis. They had John Allen, and they had James, a combination of James Smith-Williams and Casey Tuhill on the opposite side, kind of like that bear front that you see the Green Bay Packers deploy a lot in their defense. Someone's going to have to produce. And when you look on this depth chart, after losing Matt Ioannidis and Tim Settle, the depth within the interior just isn't there right now. And... Behind Mathis, it's Daniel Wise, who's been around Ashburn for a while now and played some in spurts last year. It's Tyler Clark, who spent time on the Kansas City Chiefs' practice squad. It's F.A. Obata, who Rivera knew from his time in Carolina and spent a year in Buffalo last year as kind of that rotational edge rusher. He could play kind of that similar role that James Smith-Williams could or William Bradley Kane because they're two bigger bodies. What if they want to align him on the inside or throw him on the outside? The depth is just going to be extremely important when you work into the third and fourth quarters of the game when, because John Allen and Ron Payne are going to be playing such a hefty amount of snaps, you need fresh bodies and the ability to keep guys consistently fresh. That's 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 I can't stress it enough. You have to have a rotation of rushers and and guys that not only able to push the pocket, but guys that can clog up gaps in the run game and allow these bodies and the front four, and then Jamin Davis and Cole Holcomb and the linebackers that I now want to get to to eat because I think we know what we're going to get from Cole. He is an average coverage guy, a little bit above average. I think he's a little bit underrated in that aspect of his game. Now, he's not as athletic, I think, as a Jamin Davis. Or you look across the most athletic linebackers in the league to even a Fred Warner in San Francisco or Shaquille Leonard, formerly known as Darius Leonard, with the Indianapolis Colts. He's not at that level, obviously. But he allows you to do a lot of different things at that second level. But we heard recently in the last few days that Chicago Bears linebacker Roquan Smith requested a trade. Now, granted, from what we've heard at the Draft Network, from the situation surrounding Smith in Chicago, is basically woke up on the wrong side of the bed, wants to get paid, as do we all. So it remains to be seen if a trade is actually going to be formulated and what a team would have to give up for a guy that is known to rack up tackles but hasn't been too great in coverage, had a down year last year. But... If Washington needs that veteran middle linebacker or weak side linebacker that they want 
at the at the middle part of their defense. Now, granted, it's, it's bad timing because they just signed Nathan Gary, a versatile linebacker that Ron Rivera likes and his ability to run and work in coverage a little bit and be a special teams core guy. For those out, out there, Nathan Gary is probably a familiar name. He spent time multiple seasons with the Philadelphia Eagles. But signing Nathan Gary should not halt this team from making calls and kicking the tires on a player like Roquan Smith who would provide a dynamic to the middle of this Washington Commanders defense that they haven't had since London Fletcher, since the days of LeVar Arrington. Just a menacing middle linebacker if they want him to play that role, which would allow Jamin Davis and Cole Holcomb to be anchored by the former Georgia Bulldog standout in Smith and play in space, which is where Davis and Holcomb are most comfortable. I don't right now feel the best way to move forward is placing Cole Holcomb and force feeding him the middle linebacker spot. Sure, he can say, I want to do it. That's Cole Holcomb in a nutshell. Just a guy that brings his lunch pail to work and will do whatever a coach asks him to do. He did the same thing at North Carolina and his wife so heralded in Washington thus far. But if you have someone like that in the middle of your defense in Roquan, where his ability to rack up 100-plus tackles a year, and you want to kind of relinquish the pressure a little bit off of Davis and Holcomb if you want to play two linebacker sets, and allow Nathan Gary to potentially be a just a special team score guy or a rotational guy to come in and sub, because we know the league is 75, 80, played in 75%, 80% in sub package on defense this year, more athletes at the second level because I would not feel comfortable this year because you look at this depth chart right now, middle linebacker Cole Holcomb, outside linebacker Jamin Davis. Behind them is Khalid Hudson. Behind Holcomb is David Mayo. I don't want David Mayo playing a substantial amount of snaps this year as a journeyman linebacker that's more so, I would say, below the depth chart for me than Nathan Gary because of Gary's ability and coverage and how he fits the modern-day defense and what he could offer for Del Rio at the second level and working back in coverage on long down and distances when we've obviously seen in the past that Washington hasn't been able to get off the field. So it remains to be seen if Washington is going to pull the trigger eventually on a guy like Roquan Smith. It, you're going to have to give up something. For a guy like that, uh, right now, just kind of spitballing, playing hypotheticals, it would be a potential mid-round pick and potentially a player. I'm not sure exactly what they would want for someone like that. And going to, you know, coming from Chicago to Washington, where Washington is in a better situation from an organizational standpoint and from a success standpoint, and their windows for success. Chicago is in a full-on rebuild. Roquan's been there since the start of his career. Coming to Washington could provide that fresh start. So that remains to be seen if Martin Mayhew, Washington's GM, is going to pull the trigger on that. So I want to move forward and talk a little bit about a few matchups and a few guys that I'm really excited to see on Saturday. And it's going to start for me in the backfield because I'm not sure how much we will see Antonio Gibson or J.D. McKissick. As I'm recording this on Thursday afternoon, Ron Rivera has yet to declare how much the starters are going to play. I'm expecting, hopefully a series or two or potentially more just to see the offense flow. I, I, I know there's going to be a lot of overreactions after the first, once we get this you know, offense on the field with led by Carson Wentz, whether it's good or it's bad, we're either going to be hearing that Carson Wentz is 
terrible and he's this and he's that of things we've already heard at training camp or Washington's going to the Super Bowl because Carson Wentz has been able to deliver downfield in the preseason. He went five for five for 70 yards and threw a touchdown. First things first, it's the first preseason game. It's Wentz's first game under Scott Turner in his offense with the new names on the outside. It's going to take time. But I want to go back to the players that I'm excited for. And it starts with Brian Robinson, who I think is going to get a substantial workload along with the guys that I talked about just a few minutes ago like Jarrett Patterson and Jonathan Williams. And when you watch Brian Robinson to Alabama and you're competing in the SEC, someone that has that amount of success and worked up the depth chart, because we know the illustrious history and prestige of not just the Alabama program, but the running backs that have come out of Alabama in the last few years. And Brian Robinson was that guy last year. Was he Najee Harris? No. Was he Mark Ingram, TJ Yeldon, Derrick Henry? Absolutely not. But he's someone that can compete for a massive role on this offense this year. And he's much more than a bowling ball. Just because someone has a rocked up frame and he's thick body doesn't mean he can't create outside the tackles. Will he be primarily probably used as a within the tackles guy when you're targeting the two, the three hole, four, the one, right at the center's butt and the zero hole at the goal line? Sure. But he's not Peyton Barber. And he's much more than a goal line punch for this offense. And if Antonio Gibson isn't able to keep the ball in his hands and it's on the ground a lot, we know as football enthusiasts, the easiest way to find yourself right beside the coach holding the clipboard. As a kicker, you're missing kicks, you're on the sideline or you're out of the job. For running backs, years ago, you got all you guys out there. I know you remember Matt Jones. Talented back out of Florida, couldn't keep the ball in his hands. Now he's out of the NFL, and he was cut from Washington quickly, even though he had some talent and produced in spurts. Antonio Gibson is one of the NFC's top backs and one of the league's most versatile talents. He is. There's no question about that. But Brian Robinson, I think, will showcase himself early and often this year where I don't know what his, his carry workload will be. I don't see him right now as a dynamic potential pass catching back like McKissick or Gibson is right now, but that's a skill set that he's going to have to develop. But I will tell you one thing, and the way that he's going to get himself on the field is his ability to protect and pass pro, and he will get on the field when Washington wants to throw it down the field a little bit in, in consecutive plays, three, four, five consecutive plays and want to throw it, whether it's play action or Carson Wentz just immediately gets into his depth and his dropbacks. Brian Robinson proved time and time again, the SEC, you got to pick up blitzers. Whether they're DNs, linebackers, corners, safeties, Brian Robinson proved to do that. And getting live eyes on him at the Senior Bowl, and I tweeted the clip out a few months ago, and I think I tweeted out a couple times, but him blowing up Georgia linebacker Channing Tindall at the Senior Bowl gets me extremely excited for how that translates because pass pro is an effort thing. It is all effort. You guys remember how impactful and physical and aggressive Clinton Portis was in pass pro. Alfred Morris did a good job in pass pro. Brian Robinson approaches that with the same type of mentality where he wants to blow people off their feet. Now, we saw Clinton Portis get injured a few times for doing that because he was so darn aggressive in doing that. But Brian Robinson is a player that competed at a high level for four years in the SEC a guy that held on to the football, constantly fell forward, and is someone that you can trust if you're Ron Rivera to get you 
three yards here, four yards here. Here's a pop carry for 11 yards here. Get you in the end zone on second and goal from the two. That's someone like Brian Robinson. Now, can Antonio Gibson do that? Absolutely. I don't want to downplay the impact of Antonio or J.D. McKissick because they're going to be the first two backs off the sideline for Washington this year. There's absolutely no question about it. But on Saturday, and as we move forward into the rest of the two games of the preseason, Brian Robinson is going to get his touches. And someone else that I'm extremely excited to see, and I don't know how much he's going to play, you have to talk about number one, and that's Jahan Dotson. And not only is his jersey going to look sweet, the new threads I'm excited to see on Saturday night at FedEx Field when Washington hosts the Carolina Panthers. I'm just extremely excited. I don't care who he's working with at quarterback. I just want to microscope Dotson if he's working over J.C. Horn or if J.C. opts to, you know, he's not going to shadow in a preseason game. But when he gets a rep, gets his reps against J.C. Horn or Dante Jackson for Carolina, those are two good corners. And Jackson was a guy that I thought that Washington was going to target in free agency. Obviously, he opted to resign in Carolina. But that's a that's you know what we call good bump for Jahan in week one of the preseason, really his first live reps on NFL branded turf, opposite of Terry, who I I'm sure most likely will not play because he hasn't been in pads a lot this offseason. He's been holding out. Now granted, he's been working out plenty and doing all that. I'm sure he's in great game shape. But just for week one of the preseason, I would we know what we're gonna get from number seventeen. But we don't know as of right now what we're gonna get from Jahan or Curtis Samuel or Deami Brown moving into year two. So I wanna see those guys compete. And are we asking them to rip apart that Carolina defense? Because they got plenty of bodies on their defense as well. They got Brian Burns in the interior, Derek Brown, Jeremy Chin in the secondary. I just talked about J.C. Horn. They got Shaq Thompson in the middle of that defense who's a bona fide superstar at the second level. They got a bunch of bodies on that defense. And Jahan is going to have to work for what he gets whenever amount of time that he's out there. But I also, and hopefully get to see a little bit of Cole Turner. Probably going to be out as he continues to rehab, but I would like to see him, well, if it's not Saturday, into the next preseason games down the road. But I want to see Curtis Hodges, someone that stood out a bunch in training camp, someone that's dominated at times over the second level and in red zone drills. Big body. If he's working with Taylor Heineke, we know the chemistry that Taylor had with Logan Thomas last year. We know the chemistry that Carson Wentz has with tight ends and his past. I want to see Curtis Hodges has some success as a potential guy that if Thomas, if Bates, if Turner were to miss time, someone needs to play the tight end spot. Is it a situation where Washington, we, we've talked about this whole offseason as the, the middle linebacker spot as somewhere that Washington could add a potential veteran where cuts are made. Right now, the tight end spot could be a name and a spot where Washington could add somebody and they may need to add somebody because they like to run a little bit of 12 personnel. 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends for those of you that are new here to the pod. But Curtis Hodges has flashed as a UDFA out of Arizona State. Big body, can move around, got sure hands, can create over the middle of the field, learn how to box out linebackers, safeties, run past some guys in the third level if you need him to. Got long strides. I'm not saying he's Kyle Pitts or Darren Waller, Travis Kelsey, any of those guys. I'm not going to do that. But someone that can compete, if those guys go down, you're going to need somebody to step up. So Jahan Dotson, 
Curtis Hodges, see a little bit of Carson Wentz, Brian Robinson. I want to hop over to the defensive side of the ball, and I want to see Fidarian Mathis. Talked a little bit about him earlier, but that interior of the Carolina offensive line isn't the best in the NFL. I want to see him be able to push some guys around. The second level, Khalid Hudson, Derek Forrest back at the third level. Guys we've heard a little bit at training camp to have expanded roles as they move into the middle parts of their career. Derek has looked extremely athletic in camp this year. Kalik, the guy that played the jack spot at the Michigan Michigan defense, same spot that Dax Hill played, was a first rounder for Cincinnati this year. He's got some athleticism that you can work on and he can be much more than just a special teams core guy. Now, we obviously know that that's important, but at the middle linebacker spot or outside linebacker spot, keep guys fresh. You want to run some, some different looks and sub, Kalik Hudson on the field, bring Derek Forrest down to the second level. He may play that Buffalo nickel spot that we initially thought that Benjamin St. Juice was going to compete with Landon Collins for last year. That could be Forrest's role. Jeremy Reeves is also another guy. He's been around a ton. I want to see him compete. He's obviously proven in spurts in the regular season that he can compete his tail off and someone that deserves more snaps, similar to how Cam Sims does on the offensive side of the ball. And again, with the wide receivers, the really another question about the depth chart, who is wide receiver six? Because we know usually that spot is kept for a guy that can provide some pop on teams. Punt returner, kick returner. Right now, it's Alex Erickson, another guy with a relationship with Ron Rivera and someone that could potentially take that Adam Humphreys role. His skill set is very similar to that of Dax Milne, and those two look to be battling for that spot. But he is the primary returner right now, taking that DeAndre Carter role that he played so well last year, and now he's with the LA Chargers. That's a massive spot to watch. It's him, it's Milne, it's Markin Michelle. Those are the types of names that you're going to be hearing a lot in the preseason as that battle for wide receiver six comes to fruition. But the biggest thing, as we wrap up the pod here, is football is just a few days away and you guys listen to this on Friday or the morning or afternoon before the game before you heading out to FedEx Field to tailgate or whatever it's a brand new season brand new name brand new jerseys it's a lot to be excited about and the preseason I can't believe it it's just a few days away and the regular season is right around the corner and I was on Jacksonville radio this morning talking about week one with the Jags and with the commanders and the impact of that week one game because I know a lot of you out there are overlooking the Jags. They got a lot of talent on offensive and defensive side of the ball. They got the number one overall pick in Trayvon Walker. They got a lot of guys at the first and second level. Josh Allen. They drafted Chad Muma from Wyoming. Devin Lloyd, linebacker out of Utah. They got some talent. And of course, opposite side of the ball is former number one overall pick Trevor Lawrence. And they added some bodies on the outside. Christian Kurt, Zay Jones, Travis Etienne, who they drafted out of Clemson to pair him with Lawrence. He's going to be healthy. He's going to make his first appearance in the preseason this weekend. Don't overlook week one. And sure as hell don't overlook week two when Washington faces Detroit. Now, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but I'm extremely excited for Burgundy and Gold football coming up in these next few days. As always, I greatly appreciate you guys tuning in. Please leave a like share, comment, subscribe. I'm on Twitter at underscore Ryan Fowler. You can find all of my written work at thedraftnetwork.com and at thedraftnetwork on Twitter. Again, thank you all for always tuning in. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. 
Lots to look forward to as the season approaches. We're going to be having some special guests here coming on in the near future to preview the regular season, each opponent. So there's lots to be pumped up about. I'm ready. I'm about ready to suit up and click my chin strap on and get ready you know, get out there and play for the commanders. But just really exciting times, guys. Football is right around the corner. We saw the Hall of Fame game last week with the Raiders and the Jaguars. But I will be we'll have a podcast out if it's not Sunday, it'll be early Monday morning recapping all of my thoughts of Washington's preseason game one against the Carolina Panthers. We will talk to you guys then. This is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.